As Jesus came near and saw the city of Jerusalem, he wept over it, saying, If you, even you, only recognized on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. Indeed, the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up ramparts around you and surround you and hem you in on every side. They will crush you to the ground, you and your children with you, and they will not leave within you one stone upon another because you did not recognize the time of your visitation from God. The Gospel of the Lord. So this lament from Jesus, the first in our series for this Midweek Wednesday series, feels like Jesus could have been or might be sitting on a hill or a bridge or along the roadside somewhere in Kiev or Lviv, Ukraine, just today. Your enemies, he said, will set up ramparts around you and surround you. Hem you in on every side. They will crush you to the ground, you and your children with you. And they will not leave within you one stone upon another. If you had recognized this day the things that make for peace. But you did not recognize the time of your visitation from God. Jesus' lament is particular, of course, to the people of Israel in the first century. He wasn't in Ukraine. He was somewhere between the Mount of Olives and downtown Jerusalem. And the prediction which inspired his lament did come to pass. Jerusalem was surrounded, hemmed in, besieged. The temple was toppled, lives were lost, families were destroyed, and more. All as part of the war between the occupying Romans who took what was not theirs. They occupied the land of another. They laid waste to a people and to a place as a show of power and all in the name of empire. It sounds familiar, doesn't it? It's familiar because it's not unique to Rome or Russia either. If you spin the globe like a roulette wheel in Vegas and drop your finger blindly on any point they're on, you're likely able with a little research and some honest history to find a time when the land where your finger lands didn't belong to the people who live there now. That it was inhabited by, that it was called home to someone other than those who call it home today. And there was likely violence and bloodshed and war connected with 
the transfer of ownership. This would be a good time to remind ourselves and each other, like we did on Thanksgiving evening, about the indigenous native peoples who lived on the land we call home at Cross of Grace. As an expression of gratitude and repentance and another kind of lament, let's acknowledge and give thanks for the Lenape tribe of Indians. Indiana means land of the Indians, after all, and the Lenape lived in east-central Indiana in our neck of the woods alongside the likes of the Shawnee, the Miami, and the Potawatomi, too. This was holy ground to those children of God long before people who looked like me forced them to give up their homeland and migrate like so many refugees to places like Kansas and Oklahoma and beyond. Which is to say war is so much a part of the human condition that it touches every one of us in some way or another. Whether we read about the horrifying accounts of it in Scripture, or we do a deep dive into our nation's history and origins, or research the leaves on our family tree, our connection to humanity's warring madness that we just sung about for better and for worse, impacts each of us personally, spiritually, cross-culturally, and in many ways we may not even recognize or be able to put our finger on. And that grieves the heart of God. As Jesus himself showed in his lament, over Jerusalem way back when. And I don't have the answer to any of this tonight. That's not what these Lenten laments are about. I'm a beat your swords into plowshares and turn your spears into pruning hooks kind of guy. I'd melt down every gun and turn it into a garden tool for that matter if they'd let me because I think that's what Jesus would do. I'm a turn-the-other-cheek, love your enemy, bless those who curse you, blessed are the peacemakers, sort of soul, at least on my good days. Because, Jesus. But none of that makes for a winning political platform for our kind of Christian nation these days. And it is, sadly and shamefully, seemingly impractical in light of current events. So what's a believer to do? What are the faithful to do? As wars and rumors of wars rage, as nation rises up against nation, as widows and children become refugees and aliens, 
as brother rises up against brother, as neighbors destroy neighbors, as homes and hospitals are obliterated, as life after life after life after life is lost, as ego and pride and fear and greed rule the day, where humility and faith and generosity should lead, what are we to do? All I know to do sometimes is lament. To cry out, to grieve, like Jesus did, like the heart of God does still. For the state of things and for our inability or unwillingness to repair what is broken or to restore what's been lost. Because we fail to recognize this day still the things that make for peace. Since yesterday was International Women's Day, and since March has been deemed Women's History Month, it seems appropriate to share what some of us learned in our study of Rachel Held Evans' book, Inspired, last month. Rachel Held Evans struggled mightily with the prevalence of war and violence in her holy scriptures, our holy scriptures with all the bloodshed and genocide to be found there, and very often claimed in the name of and in the pleasure of God. It challenged her faith, as maybe it should challenge all of our faiths, too. But Rachel Held Evans learned not to just dismiss or condone, not to just rationalize or ignore the ugliness of all the war that is part of our faith's story. She let it get her attention. She let it make her uncomfortable enough to wonder more deeply about it. So Rachel Held Evans learned to pay attention to the people in the stories, she says, who didn't behave according to the script. And she specifically tells of the young women of Israel who publicly grieved, for example, the unjust sacrifice of Jephthah's daughter that we read about in the book of Judges. Some of you will remember that that girl was sacrificed because her daddy won a war against the Ammonites. And he was supposed to be a good guy. Anyway, the young women of Israel made a public practice and display of lament for the murdered girl which became an Israelite tradition for women to go out for four days every year thereafter to commemorate the death of Jephthah's daughter. Rachel Held Evans says, quote, while the men moved on to fight another battle, the women stopped to acknowledge that something terrible had happened here. And with what little social and political power they had, the women protested every year for four days. They refused to let the nation forget what it had done in God's name. So I decided that women of Israel might be like that Ukrainian woman, maybe you've heard about her, 
who so defiantly, bravely passed out sunflower seeds to some Russian soldiers. The sunflower has long been a symbol of peace and unity for the people of Ukraine, and the woman told the soldiers to put the seeds in their pockets so that when they die in Ukraine, at least a sunflower will grow from their corpse. Or maybe the women of Israel are like that other Ukrainian grandma, maybe you've heard about her too, who took down a Russian spy drone with a jar of pickled tomatoes last week. I don't know. I just know it feels like there's not much we can do sometimes. But plant seeds and throw pickled tomatoes and lament. But lament isn't nothing. Lament is a deliberate, faithful grief. A deliberate, faithful grief over what has been lost. It's a sadness for what we haven't been able to change. Lament is a frustration over what is yet to come. And lament is an expression of solidarity with all those who suffer. Even in spite of our own apathy and complicity in it. And I hope some measure of our lament for war, past, present, and future, will help us not just recognize, but will help us celebrate and engage the things that do make for peace instead. Until we learn to work for and to walk alongside and to do the bidding of Jesus, the Prince of Peace, so we say so that we will not learn war any longer. So that we will instead lay down our weapons and turn them into gardening tools. So that we will love our neighbors and our enemies as ourselves. Amen.